Hello, we are here today to tell you about Modified Role. What you're about to hear are real-life testimonies of people who have been affected by Modified Role. None of the people you're about to hear are paid actors. I mean, they are actors, but we're not paying them. Before I found Modified Role, I never knew of the foe that plagued humanity for generations, Rivers. Before Modified Role, I didn't know there were dice with more than six sides. Well, uh, before I found Modified Rule, I thought fantasy role-playing was something you did in the bedroom. Before Modified Rule, I didn't know Warland Dice could be so dangerous. Uh, before Modified Rule came along, I couldn't tell the difference between a D20 and a tennis ball. Needless to say, it's changed my life. Before Modified Rule, I was shocked when someone would offer to show me their minis. So, with so many lives changed through Modified Rule, don't you think it's time you gave it a try? Modified Rule has not been proven to improve life in any measurable metric, and cannot be held responsible for any detrimental impact caused by listening to the podcast. Modified Rule takes no responsibility for loss of bad scores or animal companions. Welcome one and all to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. My name is Matt Boothman. I'm your compare for this backstage episode from our main house production. I'm joined backstage by Chris Starkey. Hello. By Strat. Hello. Uh, they will be chipping in, and also by uh, subject of today's backstage episode, Ellie. Hello. Excited, Ellie, about filling in your playbook? I am nerdily excited. <laughs> Uh, why is that? Which playbook have you picked? I am The Exile. This is the Unstuck in Time playbook. That's right. I love time travel. <laughs> so you are from off of the past. Yes, I am. Everybody excited to hear uh, exactly how off of the past Ellie is? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what was it that, that drew you to this one? Because I know this was your first choice. I love the past. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I really love like particular eras of time and I've always been into history and I love anything to do with time travel and people who are displaced in time. A lot of my sort of viewing and reading lists can be recognised by that tick box. That's one of my top criteria. Have you got some recommendations or things that you might be drawing on for this? Um, I have examples of the characters, definitely. Yeah. So... Uh, Ichabod Crane in Sleepy Hollow, the TV series, which I've only watched the first couple of series of because it went a bit weird. There's a really good TV series called Warehouse 13, um, which is kind of this, you know, Indiana Jones warehouse setup, and there's a an agency who are responsible for dealing with all of the art, art, artifacts. And they have a character played by Jamie Murray called Helena G. Wells, who is supposedly the actual H.G. Wells and allowed her brother to be the face of her stories um so she is 
part of the agency in the past and uh, gets voluntarily frozen and then accidentally unfrozen at um, the wrong moment in the present day. So that's, yeah, pretty much a perfect example. And then there's the obvious example of Captain America off of the Avengers. He gets all frozen as well. He does. The, the classic, like, keeping up with 21st century pop culture references when you're from off of the 40s. Mm. Yes. So let's go through and uh, fill in your playbook. Okay. In fact, tell us, uh, because I, I, I know for a fact that you have a, uh, a concept to, to play with. I do. Uh, that you, you sort of know what sort of character you're playing. So do you want to kind of pitch as the character? Yeah, yeah, okay. I've um I've just written the, you know, just two pages of notes on yeah. it. So <laughs> I toyed with the idea of playing a real historical figure, mm-hmm. but felt like I may not then give myself permission to behave however I like because I'd be concerned about throwing them into disrepute. <laughs> <laughs> so instead I've gone for a fictional character that's connected to a real historical character. So I am an illegitimate daughter of Lord Byron and therefore half-sister to his only legitimate child, Ada Lovelace, who is credited as being the first ever computer programmer. I mean, illegitimate child of Lord Byron is very believable. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> there are probably quite a lot of them around. Yeah. I guess there was a club. Yeah, based on the research I've done, there are sort of three that are acknowledged, one that's official and many more probably. He was somewhat prolific in many areas including <laughs> producing of children so that's that's the very basic element to my character have you got a name for this uh person i do uh persephone byron oh very good oh thank you, you kept his name well i don't know if he give it gave it to me but i've taken it um <laughs> and um i'm known to my friends as percy very cool so uh, for the exile, you get uh, to pick your look, first of all, now that we've got a name and an, and an idea of who you are. So yeah. you've got some gender presentation options, some options for what sort of body you have, uh, body. Body, 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 body type options, yeah, clothing options, and then some sort of accessory as well. So what would you like from those lists? I would like, please, to be a woman. Okay. I would like to have a scarred body. Oh, okay. Oh. Are we going to find out more about how, how that happened? Yeah. The, the options are pretty wild on her. The options are warrior's body, wasted, scarred, lithe, short, tall, tattooed. And I thought short and tall is kind of boring. <laughs> Unless you're like really short. <laughs> yeah, really tall. Really tall. Really tall. <laughs> yeah, eight foot tall. And lithe just sounded creepy, so... Um, yeah, no, I think scarred is cool, so I'm scarred. Nice. Clothing, <laughs> armour was an option, but um, that doesn't fit with my time period and I think would be pretty unwieldy. And I don't want to have to make a clanking noise every time I move. <laughs> I think a lot of the options on the playbook are for if you want to be like uh, like a Roman gladiator or something like that, yeah. thrown forward in time. But Yeah, or like a medieval knight or something. Yeah, I've gone for just old-fashioned clothing. Okay, so you kept kept the old-fashioned look rather than trying yeah. to like cobble together a, a one that blends in. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Okay. I assume we're allowed to change clothes at some I, point. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to get really weird. And then, yeah, you have a selection of objects that you're allowed to wear. Um, so there's a silver necklace with a holy symbol, gold and silver arm rings, blah blah blah. 
I've gone for mystical amulet. Ah, very nice. Does it does it open? Yes, it's a locket. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's in it? Of course I do. Um something mystical. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um some kind of gemstone that allows me to kind of amplify magic. Oh, very nice. So then stats, ratings. Yes. This is one of the one of the only playbooks in the game that doesn't have like one stat that is always highest whichever line you pick yeah so you've got you've got loads of different options to, well mm-hmm. you've still only got five options to pick from but there there's much more variation in them than there is for a lot of the other playbooks so yeah and that initially made me concerned but then i realized there was one that fitted exactly what i wanted pretty much so i've gone for the fourth option which is charm minus one cool plus one sharp plus one tough plus one weird plus two yeah, so weird plus two is going to mean that you're you're good at magical stuff, which mm-hmm. fits with the ma- mystical amulet. My amulet, it does. Amulet. Slightly less good at charm, which I guess could be your personality or could be your fish out of waterness. Yeah, I the way I saw it was, I've got some sort of details about this, but obviously, as a woman in the time I was from, in order to get anywhere, I probably had to be pretty blunt a lot of the time. Mm. So I think I don't have time for charm. No nonsense. Yeah, it's a waste of my time. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So the next part of the playbook is about your origin. So we, we know some details about that, that but let's uh, let's pick the actual uh, blanks in this. So it gives you a little sort of story. Yes. Uh, so it's you you are from some you are from blank in the year blank. Uh, so I am from mostly from England, mm-hmm. and the year that I left the past is uh let me just double check so i don't mess this up um i have a lot of specific details that i I, I will not know (laughs) no no no, but history is not my strong suit (laughs) for the rest of my story to make sense it needs to be precise and you'll see why (laughs) okay so i am from england in the uk and i left the past in the year 1852 1852 okay well i can tell you it's specifically the 26th of november Oh, okay. Do you want to tell us why? I can tell you the full story, but I don't want to jump jump too far. Well, because there's there's no other bit on the on the sheet for the rest of the story. So yeah, why don't you? Okay. Oh, I'm intrigued. Okay, you ready for this full story? Go for it. I really got very into this. <clears throat> Persephone, Percy, born eighth of July, eighteen twenty two, which is the same day that Percy Shelley, a great friend of her father, Lord Byron, drowned. So I was named after him. My mother was probably Teresa Giacchili. Giacchioli? Giacchili? Giacchili. Giacchioli. We'll work that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Someone must be able to tell us. Matt will pick one of those names in the edits. I think it's Giacchioli. My mother was probably Teresa Giacchioli. She and Byron were having an affair in Italy from 1819 to 1823. That is fact, my friends. I've read a lot about this. She was married to somebody else who was 40 years older than her, uh, and they were separated at the time I would have been conceived. So I couldn't be legitimized by either father figure. Um, so I was kept a secret and sent to England to train in what was known then as the Order. Ooh. I was brought up primarily in London, but ended up from sort of mid to late teens being stationed all over the world to fight monsters 
uh, and was most recently stationed in Sheridan. Um, so my half-sister Ada and I have been developing a time machine, what with her clever math skills and whatnot, uh, but it's still very much in the experimental stages. In 1852, the world's very existence is threatened by a big bad. On the 26th of November, there's a big showdown. Most of our team are battling in the forest outside town. A couple of team members, including Ada and I, are at HQ. When we get word that the team are all dead and the big bad is heading our way. The psychic on our team has a vision that the big bad came to earth in 1666 and that the Great Fire of London was a result of his arrival. Because 666, guys. (laughs) We feel we have no option at this point with very limited time, but to put the time machine to use, even though we know it's unstable. The idea is to send me to 1666 to prevent the summoning in the first place but something goes wrong and I arrive in the present day instead. I know that the fire of London did happen, but the world is still turning, so I don't know what happened to the big bad mm-hmm. or what happened to my sister, Ada Lovelace, who died the following day in 1852. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I like it. So that's, that's most of the setup for my story. Awesome, cool. So yeah, so this this bit this uh, so far loosely defined big bad is your nemesis as defined in yeah. the playbook. Exactly. Very nice. Mm. Yeah, and you used an experimental time machine. Brilliant. Uh, which that technology has either not persisted or has been hushed up. Yeah. Maybe maybe both. We don't know. Yeah. Great. What if the big bad is just like a really bad baker who moved to Pudding Lane? It's a classic cover-up, though, right? Blame the baker. God. <laughs> True. So now True. the 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 playbook allows you. It has it has more blanks. It says my nemesis is a blank named blank. So it does allow you, if you would like, to get specific about what it is. And I, is there a reason why you're leaving it as just big bad? Um, I think because I I just wasn't really sure. I think I mostly was thinking it would be a demon of some yeah. kind to br- that was summoned to bring about the end of the world. That's very interesting, given at least one other I know, person's I know. <laughs> character. And it's, 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 but then, you know, it's a bit narratively strange that it would be summoned in 1666 and it's not until 1852 that we're having the big showdown. But I guess maybe there's been lots of showdowns and it's just been held off until now. Maybe. Fleeny Sod, the demon baker of Pudding Lane. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think probably a demon is the thing that makes the most sense. Summoned with fire, like that's fairly... Yeah, yeah fire and 666. Yeah. And, and with the dis- potential to bring about some sort of end of the world, or at least end of England is what they'd be worried about, isn't it, back then? Yeah, yeah although the, the order did have kind of some global spread, so... I guess at that time the British Empire would have been very much a thing, right? So mm. they would have been a, a global enterprise one would think yeah yeah you said you've been sent around all over the world yeah i've got lots of um byron and ada info that um that i think could pad out some of the history of the order if you're interested in that yeah go ahead i've almost convinced myself that this is all true by the way (laughs) (laughs) so so byron left the uk very shortly after ada was born because he separated from his wife and his wife took the baby he 
died at 36 years old, which is the same age that Ada died at. So now I'm like, did they actually both die or does something happen to our bloodline at the age of 36? (laughs) In 1816, Byron went to Lake Geneva in Switzerland with his personal physician, John William Polidori. And there he befriended the poet Percy Shelley and Shelley's future wife, Mary. And whilst they were there together, Mary Shelley started writing what would become Frankenstein. And the physician, Polidori, produced The Vampire, which is the kind of lead in to the romantic vampire genre or one of the and byron wrote a a fragmentary story called a fragment which is about a vampire so i'm wondering if they were actually actually there together on business for the order and they were all members because they they all know about stuff just makes sense doesn't it one one would wonder indeed yeah ada lovelace lost contact with her husband after confessing something to him on the 30th of August, which caused him to leave her. And that was only a few months before she then died. So I think she was confessing that she was a member of the order and he couldn't handle the truth. She, she told him that vehemently, that he couldn't handle the truth. <laughs> yes, over and over again. <laughs> she visited the electrical engineer, uh, Andrew Cross, in 1844 to learn how to carry out electrical experiments, like making a time machine. <laughs> She also worked with Babbage, which is like a lot of people know that who did the made the combustion engine. Um, so I assume he was a member as well because an engineer would be really useful. It does. It is setting up like the uh, the order being one of these sort of things that that like rich, well-to-do people that had no real vocation mm-hmm. did. And it's only been in recent times that it's been brought into an actual official government thing. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was going yeah. to be a question is, is, is the order the precursor to the Department of Emissions or is it a different thing that is still around in some form? I think it's a precursor. So when I was thinking about my relationship to the government department that's now known as GEO, I thought in my day, yes, it existed, but it was more of, it was called the order and it wasn't government controlled. But there were members, like a lot of members of the order were kind of in the upper echelons of society. So it was almost like a poorly kept secret, but most people thought that it was some kind of gentleman's club. Mm -hmm. The majority of members were men. Ada and I were only really there because of our father's membership. Um, And the other few female members would have been there on the basis that they had some kind of special skill or attribute, like naturally, like psychics or maybe some kinds of, you know, monster types were there almost out of necessity because they lent things to the organisation that... They weren't able to do themselves, but they were probably, even though they were vital, those female members would not have been respected anywhere near as much as all of the men. So that's, I'm just, obviously I've got a bit of a a, a feminist issue to push here, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's allowed. Good. Thank Encouraged you. Encouraged even. Wonderful. <laughs> Bring us your axes. We will grind them on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Good. You get some moves. You get yeah. two exile moves. Do you know which ones you want? Yes, I do. So these are, they're all really cool. And I have to decide and then think, it's okay, maybe I can get some more when we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so the ones I'm going for are Immortal Name, which that means... One's awesome. Yeah, my mon- monster hunting exploits are legendary. So much so that your name still scares monsters and minions. You may manipulate monsters with threats if they understand enough to have heard stories about you. So I think that makes sense because I'm historical. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Don't you cool. know who I am? Yeah. I am a Byron bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one that I really like the look of is Ancient Magics. Yeah, that one's cool too. Yay! Uh, so it says, you learned magic when less law had been lost. When you use magic on a seven to nine result, don't choose a glitch. Instead, you just take minus one going forward. So I, see, I assume that means that it's like I get a success instead. Effectively. Does it upgrade my result? Normally on a seven to nine, when you use magic, uh, you get the effect that you wanted, but there's some sort of glitch, like mm-hmm. it doesn't last very long or it's unstable or... Um, it doesn't quite work as well as you thought it would or, or yeah. you lose control of it or something like that. So you don't have to have the glitch. You get the effect and you just get minus one on whatever your next roll is. Cool. Yeah, I think that's going to be useful because I'm not, like I don't have inherently magic powers, but I want to do some magic stuff. Yeah, cool. yeah. And everybody who can remember that magic is real can do some sort of magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I like this idea that I've got more knowledge or at least different knowledge than the people in the present day, because stuff that I remember really clearly may have been lost in their time. Yeah. Yeah. People would have been, would have had to have been like keeping really, really careful records or like everybody really trying to remember these things for hundreds of, for, you know, a hundred years or more, 150, 170 Mm. years. Yeah. So there would be stuff that you would know that has since been lost. Yeah. Yep. I like all of this. This is very cool. Uh, so you also get some gear yes so you have the option of ancient armor appropriate to your origin (laughs) (laughs) clank 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 (laughs) armor doesn't have to be like plate armor that you could have some sort of like i don't know verbal armor slightly steampunk like galvanic armor Mm. or something that ada could have worked on if you made a time machine you could have made weird armor so So you have that if you want if i take armor does that mean i take one less weapon nope Oh, okay. In that case, (laughs) (laughs) I reckon there definitely would have been some kind of early, almost like a bulletproof vest, but some kind of material that it makes it harder for, I don't know, would it be something that like repels some types of beast or means they're less able to harm you, but it would... Mm, maybe they came up with some kind of weird material that incorporates garlic and iron and <laughs> silver. <laughs> Could you play into um, the like? There's ancient, you know, like there's ancient magic that's been forgotten. So it's been in like your clothes or something that you wear that maybe the order like gave you as part of your investment. Like that that is is looks like normal cloth, but is gives you some protection to whatever forces uh, hang you, and that has been. That's one of the things that's been lost to time and was something that was created for the order and and, and no one else can produce anymore. Yeah. In some way. Yeah, got some sort of warding on it. Mm. Yeah, that sounds cool. And I guess it would just be like, maybe it will be my petticoats. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that's not practical if I want to stop wearing petticoats at some point. Um, like a vest. Yeah, I'm going with sticking with a sort of like a bulletproof vest, but for weird shit. Yeah. Bulletproof tunic. <laughs> <laughs> yes so sexy (laughs) nice okay so you have that 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 counts as one armor yeah and you also get uh three yeah and it says ancient but we'll just say anachronistic weapons yes yeah that's fine there are some very amusing options there's big sword big axe shield big knife lots of big things and then (laughs) things that i'd never 
like hand gunner, which I assume is like a handgun. Yeah, like ye, ye oldie handgun. Mm, and a harkabus, which I imagine is like a blunderbuss type Pretty thing. Pretty much, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't want that, either of those. The items that I've chosen are kind of ones that I think reflect elements of my character. Mm-hmm. So silver knife, because that sounds quite elegant and could be concealed and I could carry on me at any time. Cool. A bow, so I don't always have to get really close to stuff. Um, so there could be like setups when I was working with the order where I'd be the like long range person. Cool. So kind of like an early sniper rifle type situation, but it's yeah. a it's a bow. Are we talking? Uh, I, this is where I get my archery nerd hat on. Oh yes, are we please talking, do. Are we talking longbow, which would be like as tall as you or taller and can shoot like super far? Right. Or like a short bow or horse bow, which is more sort of um, like about a meter tall when strung um, and is like faster and whippier, but like slightly shorter range, but like designed to be shot from horseback or from the hip kind of thing. Yeah. Option B. Okay. Easier to port, port around as well. Yeah. Yeah. Still probably not something that I could heft around on the high street without getting some attention, but that's partly why I went for the silver knife as well because I think then I can literally have that with me all the time yep and then the third option I went for martial arts cool nice because I I mean I imagine that the order would have had some kind of monk on their team back in the day who just trained everyone up and I've been being trained since I was like old enough to stand up so I think I'm very very good at some hand-to-hand combat nice yes this means that you're you're Everybody else's unarmed attacks do zero harm. Yeah. So they, they don't damage, but they still do like a harm move. You could still get someone to drop something or knock them over with it. Your your unarmed attacks do one harm. So you cool. can actually hurt things with them. Good. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, so that's your whole playbook, apart from the uh, history stuff, which we'll do. Obviously, mm-hmm. history has a different ring for you. <laughs> <laughs> your history with the other other players. Yeah. So... How do you stop yourself from forgetting magic and monsters and the supernatural? So this is where the scarred body bit comes in. Ooh, okay. So I think because I've been trained by the Order since birth, I don't have as much difficulty as most people do in remembering it because it is literally all I've ever known. I didn't have a point of going, oh my God, monsters are real. Uh, It was just, I always knew that. But in order to remember, I do have scars over quite a lot of my body. Some are from injuries, obviously, but a lot of them are self-inflicted and they're for both the purposes of remembering um, and also for performing spells. Ooh, okay. So I think some of them are like runes. Oh, okay. So yeah, like you sort of scar it in and then it's kind of usable from from then on. Almost like when you draw a pentacle on the floor or something, you can kind of do a smaller version of a spell like that by using one that I've got carved into my arm. Yeah. And then, of course, there's, there's the fact that you are you are out of your own time. So it's very hard to forget that something's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that metal tin on wheels coming towards me super fast? <laughs> yeah. You can definitely at least remember that time travel is real at all times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, have you like uh, checked in with the department of admissions since you came to the present? Now this, this will partly depend on the game mechanics and me not messing stuff up, but okay. in an ideal world, I would like to have almost just arrived in the present yeah. day. So I know you've mentioned that we do a history section where we talk about our relationship to other characters and stuff. So that would kind of scupper me having any established relationship. 
as p- apart from the super old ones, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, if you had a battle, if you were in Cherry Down uh, mm. as part of the order and you had a battle in my forest... You'd have probably known about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Nat's character would also have been around at that time. Yeah. Josh's character might have memories from yeah. past lives. And Helen's as well. She's old <laughs> in the game. <laughs> yeah, we've got some. Oh, yeah, so maybe that's okay. But, but yeah, yeah. Would, relatively recent. That, like, that's allowed. And, and that might even help from the point of view of the fact that we're doing this for an audience, that if we have you in one yeah. of the early sessions, you can almost be like the point of view mm. character who is getting to know mm. what's going on. Everything's new to me. Yeah, so whether whether we do that or not, we can say you've not been in town long, like not no. long enough to check in. All right. Um, and would you like to add any features to the town? Yes. So I was in the past stationed here for two years, so I'm very familiar with the, the town as it was then. And there was in my time a well called the Weeping Well, uh, which was said to be inhabited by a weeping spirit. And the water um, in the well... Uh, is really potent for banishing or summoning things. So for bringing or sending away, um, and also for some spell ingredients as well. And it used to be above ground in 1852, but now it is in question mark location. Ooh, okay. So it might have been covered or moved or yeah, something. Or the yeah, water might still exist, but not accessible, I don't know. Mm, interesting. Uh Anybody else got any other questions for Ellie? Does your magical powers have any school of magic or is it you know, sort of good at everything? I think I probably have a theoretical knowledge of loads of different types of magic from all over the world because the order would have educated me to, to know as much as they know, basically. But maybe I have a penchant for certain areas. I don't know what that would be. Do you prefer to, like, see the future or blow shit up or...? Oh, I think I like uh, manipulating stuff, like making stuff move. Mm. So, like, like Matilda style. Mm. <laughs> yeah, manipulating... Telekinesis. Yes, that's the word. Thank you. I find that that's fun for me. That's really fun. It's cool. You had, like, a partnership with Ada... You obviously mm. worked on a time machine together and were both members of the order. Like, what was that? Do you want to define, like, uh, if she was, like, the calculation and mathematics genius, like, what was your... Were you then, like, the mystical counterpart? Like, how? what, what do you imagine the interplay being? I think maybe I'm... Yeah, mystical counterpart is cool. I think I probably also have... A, good, a fairly decent level of skill in terms of engineering as well so obviously she was working with Babbage but we couldn't maybe Babbage wasn't I don't know maybe it was so top secret the time machine stuff that he he wasn't actually directly involved in that hey we can we can downplay Babbage's uh... <laughs> Babbage was busy <laughs> Babbage didn't really do it it was all Ada yes classic man taking the credit so yeah, maybe she was more the number, she was obviously the mathematician and I was the practical application. So I was actually building it, the machine. And that, that makes sense then why you'd have, like you'd have the armor and you were the one to actually go through the time machine and all of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that gives us possibilities of you like building things in the present mm. day then as well. Yes, please. And learning how stuff, like being fascinated by gadgets potentially oh yeah oh man i'm gonna get so into like fridges and radios <laughs> and the internet 
Well, yeah, when you'd find out what computers became. Oh, boy, howdy. I'd be so proud. So question for me. This time machine, is it the sort that's like it's a one-way trip? Did you have a plan of getting back? Yeah, I think there was a plan for getting back and it just didn't happen. And now I know that Ada died the next day. So I don't know, like, did she... I don't know what happened, but I got... I was supposed to get there and back. That was supposed to work. Mm. But you went the wrong way and now can't go back. Yep. Was it the sort of time machine that you get in it and it zaps you somewhere and you just appear somewhere? Or does the machine... Do you travel in the machine? Does the machine come with you? Did the machine come with you to the present day? Mm. And like crash? Or did you just get... Or did you just appear in a field? I don't know. Hmm. Because it could be one where, like, it zaps me, but I have, like, I'm wearing something that anchors me. So it could be the amulet that does that. That could be cool. Yeah, that's that's the thing it's supposed to use to drag you back Mm. when time comes, but it never did. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Because then as well, if if I want to try and build a machine to get me back again, I both do not have the actual machine nor the mathematical knowledge to do it. which is definitely part of my motivation for joining the current version of the order because they're not only the closest thing to familiarity that I have, they're also the only people who believe anything that I say about what's happened to me. And now I probably think they're the only chance I have of, of getting back um, or, or at least finding out what actually happened. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see like what your attitude or Persephone's attitude is to like how people are handling the supernatural these days yeah whether she's like oh all of this has gone to the dogs it was done better in my day or 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 not (laughs) could be like a a presenting as young grandma (laughs) (laughs) oh back in my day we didn't do that (laughs) (laughs) there was no ghoul catch and release in the local woodland (laughs) oh yeah i'd probably be pretty astonished that they even considered not just killing things immediately yeah it's going to be interesting i think while I was making the character, I was thinking having, I've actually listened to all of the other character creation sessions and thinking about how she's going to interact with other characters is going to be pretty bonkers. Yeah. I can't wait to see some of the, some of the sparks fly, some of the chemistry happening. Yeah. Well, well, you are ready to do that. You're ready to play Ellie. Thank you. Locked and loaded. has been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Dave as Mick, Vicky as Renko, Ellie Pitkin as Persephone Byron, and Alex Pankhurst as Graham. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alex Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing this episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, 
If drama be the food of life, play on.